a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Hello there, and welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. Ever since George A. Romero revitalised and forever altered the zombie genre, the format has pretty much been set. A group of people in a location, a siege around them, and then the realisation that it's man, which is the biggest problem. Dead and Buried is more of a wicker man in its DNA than Dawn of the Dead, though conspiracy in a town and the traditional idea of the zombie as a creation that can be manipulated with a curse is at its heart. It tanked at the box office, became a success on video and like many of the films that are better than expected on the Video Nasties list, you have to wonder why it's here at all. This is the road to Potter's Bluff. Maybe you've been there. Clean, picturesque, Full of old-fashioned friendliness. The kind of town everyone likes to visit. This is the road to Potter's Bluff. There is no road out. Welcome to Potter's Bluff. From the creators of Alien, terror brought down to Earth, dead and buried. Is there any way whatsoever to reanimate people after they have died? to get them to walk around. That guy, the one you, you came to see me about last week, what the time after the car wreck. Yeah. I just saw him. Man, he's dead. The same guy. Welcome to Potter's Bluff. When you die, you expect to remain dead and buried. I had a very close call. Just lie still. I'm going to give you something. It's going to make you feel even better. When you die in Potter's Bluff, expect the unexpected. From the creators of Alien. Dead and buried. It will take your breath away. All of it. Dead and Buried is a 1981 horror film directed by Gary Sherman, starring Melody Anderson and James Florentino. The screenplay was written by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald uh, Shushit. Although Dan, ba- Dan O'Bannon's name's on it, he said in a 1983 interview with Starburst, promoted Blue Thunder, that he disowned the film, claiming that Shushit had written the script by himself but neither O'Bannon's name on the project for its legitimacy after Alien. I promised he would make some changes on seeing the, but um, on seeing the finished film O'Bannon realised that Shusha had done nothing of the sort but he couldn't take his name off the credits at this stage. 
story star, uh, stars James Florentino as plays a guy called Dan, who's a sheriff of a small New England town called Potter's Bluff. People seem to be disappearing and being killed, but then being in found again, you know, alive and well. For example, a photographer is beaten, tied to a post and then set on fire. He survives and takes to hospital where he's murdered, just out of sight of the sheriff and doctor, then pops up again as if he'd been living in the town for years. More visitors, outsiders effectively, are murdered. Gil is assessed by Dobbs, a local coroner mortician, works trying to discover the motive of the killings. The murders escalate, one happening every day. And in each case, the killers photograph the victims as they're murdered. The thing is, we know who the killers are. We see them from the start. And we realise that it's in actual fact a big conspiracy that's happening. The question is, who's really behind it? Who's able to bring the dead back to life? photographer to have a camera like that. Uh-huh. Are you really? Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, sometimes. Pays well, anyway. Are you here on, um, assignment? Nope. Just a vacation. Are you famous? I'm of St. Louis. Photographers don't get famous in St. Louis. <laughs> Successful, maybe, but uh, not famous. What's your name? My name is... No, no, wait. Let me guess. You look like a... Um, Fred. Oh. <laughs> no, no. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think you look like a Freddy. All right. Okay, okay. I'll be Freddy, and you can be Lisa. I always wanted to meet a Lisa. That's a really pretty name. Well, Lisa, you're a very pretty lady. Pretty enough to uh, be a model? Absolutely. <laughs> now I want you to give me a nice smile. Okay. All right, here we go. Come on. Look at Fred. Originally intended as a dark comedy by the director Gary Sherman, 
um, there was a lot of behind the scenes issues with the film. Sherman is a, um, a bit of a genre actor, really, rather than a straight horror one. Um, he made uh, Deathline back in 1972. And also um, Vice Squad, uh, Wanted Dead or Alive in the 80s. And uh, from there kind of went to make well, TV movies, really, and TV shows. He's also known as making the, uh, creating the Rock Against Drug public service campaign for MTV as well. But um, there were issues in, in the making of the film. Uh, PSO International were the third financer who bought out uh, Aspen, who had been a financer at that point. Uh, Pierso wanted to emphasise gore over comedy, uh, which Gary Sherman's director's cut can't focused on. So a lot of scenes were shortened or cut to try and get that out, and two scenes of violence were added on. The killing of drunk fisherman Ed Bakey and that the acid death of the doctor. Stan Winston had done the uh, the Ed Bakey death, but uh, they couldn't get him back for the Doctor. So another FX team were brought on, which is why it looks a little bit cartoony, very 80s really, a mannequin death. The, uh, the FX team, did, you know, there was an excuse for this. Apparently it was all going to be done in, uh, in one shot. And the build head had to be convincing and also melt. Um, apparently, you know, in the end that wasn't done, so that's why it doesn't look as, as great. Yeah, Melody Anton's probably best known as playing Dale Arden and Flash Gordon back in 1980. Uh, she's a social worker and public speaker now, really, uh, focusing on addiction in families. But, um, she comes straight from Flash Gordon to this, and then did some other some other stuff. But you know, her career was finished by her film career was finished by nineteen ninety three. She um, when she at the, the climactic scene, apparently one of the squibs actually flew up out of a dress and it nearly deafened everyone here. Um, apparently, Gary Sherman avoided the color red to be visible at any point. So, the murder sequence would be even more stark. You can see this because if you look at the tail lights of the cars, they're actually all purple rather than red. As a, as part of this attempt to make that effect. Stan Winston, obviously best known for um, well Terminator really, and some amazing creature effects over the eighties. He also did, you know, The Thing, which was a notorious, obviously, for its effect work. The Monster Squad, Predator 2, uh, Terminator 2, amongst others. Um, with this, he did more than just the uh, the gore effects, as it were. He, um, you know, the figure of the uh, the body cast lying in uh, the hospital bed was a mechanical dummy built by Winston. 
uh, I think most people think it's actually a, a real body with like a fake kind of needle scar because it's so well done. Um, obviously, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's getting blinded, but uh, it's it, it's a very impressive prosthetic. Uh, prosthetic. It's interesting the uh, the soundtrack's an interesting choice. There's a lot of big band music in it, which is um, nicely. You know, it it kind of gives it a very creepy old world air, and uh, but apparently the distributors didn't like it, <laughs> so I wanted it removed uh, for more contemporary soundtrack. But uh, obviously, oh, that would have been a, a terrible mistake. It gives the film a lot of uh, a lot of feeling. Nobody else to talk to on that damn police channel, and she can't call me by my name. That's TV cop shows, Harry. That's what does it. You think the county let me have this rig for salvage? Anyhow, she said he's on his way. Well, no hurry. Fellow's a definite goner. Did you get a good gander at that face, Danny? Yes, Harry, I did. Pretty, huh? Here comes Dobbs. Talk about an entrance. Dobbs, where the hell? Just a minute. The Angels Sing, 1938. A little before my time, Dobbs. Well, Dan, William G. Dobbs is now at your service. Let me get the word. Here. No, lead him. Due to child labor laws, the filmmakers couldn't get permission to use the boys who played uh, Jamie at night, but the kids' parts entirely placed them in even. So a huge tent was constructed that completely covered the family car and the haunted house, making it look like nighttime underneath. Apparently, fans had to be set up to let people to let the cast and crew grieve. They made so much noise that the live sound and record during film was unusable, so all of these sims had to be dubbed. Uh, and that's why that scene, particularly, the dubbing is so poor. They would go to quite ridiculous extremes to get the shots that they wanted, in fact. On the day with that opening beach scene between Freddie and Lisa, uh, the weather conditions were too good. So the uh, and he wanted to be a bit grey and overcast. The crew constructed a large flag to hang from rigging on a cliff, overhanging the beach to block out most of the sunlight. So the scene could have a dim atmosphere. Another time was um, a scene where a kind of a camera movement inside a car, inside a, tr- a, a truck, and to do that they actually had to build the track within the truck to do the move. You know there were a lot, lots of long, elaborate tracking shots, such as on when Janet comes home and speaks to Dan briefly. Uh, it was done in one one big tracking shot. But as I said, the um, 
the film was, um, you know, despite all this care and attention, the film was uh, re-edited numerous times throughout the production. Originally, the attack on the family occurred later in the film, after the hitchhiker's mirror, which is why the resurrected hitchhiker can be seen among the attackers during the scene. And Sherman intentionally chose foggy weather conditions to film in while on location. The film set is supposed to be Maine, and the location looked more like Northern England when the weather was bad. The film itself now has a, a good reputation, I think it's fair to say. It's uh, it's well liked. Um, the movie cites all movie bros. It's easy to see why Dead and Barry never found a big audience though. It's too plot heavy for those viewers in search of a shock machine, yet too visceral for viewers who appreciate subtle horror. I think that's probably fair to a point. Um, it was the 80s, and the 80s were like that. A little bit. Particularly, uh, you know, American stuff. I'm always minded of um, the horror film Waxwork, which is um, a great little movie. You know, you've got... Um, it's a film with um, you know Zach Galligan in, and it's quite lightweight and fun initially. But it has like these insanely heavy violence in it, and um, you know, very, very comic booky and self-referential, but also incredibly gory. And uh, you know, uh, it always reminds me of, like you know, like the pinnacle of the eighties. These kind of like tongue-in-cheek fun time films, and then you know, just fat, proper, proper violence. Interesting talking about Scream. I suppose you could argue that this is um, Dead and Buried is incredibly referential itself. I mean, you know, there, there are heavy influences on it, things like Invasion of the Body Snatchers and, and stuff like that. And it does know where its heritage is. I'd say that was Dan O'Bannon's influence, but evidently it wasn't. Um. So yeah, it's a weird film because it's. It, it is a bit violent, but, you know, it's not the beyond violence <laughs> or anything like that. And you do wonder why it's kind of got where it's got. Anyway, the cinema release was actually passed on court in 1981. So the Fawn EMI uh, listed video nasty was in November 83, but then was dropped again in January 85 because uh, they couldn't get a conviction. The video collection release of 1990 was cut by 30 seconds to get this 18 rating. This was part of this, uh, the, you know, still in, in 1990, the aftermath of the video nasties were, were still being felt, where films were being arbitrary cut because they felt they had to. It was re-released in 99 by Polygram, and uh, all cuts were waived. Uh, and now it's available on court in, in various different formats. Um, there's a nice uh, blue underground, uh, free region blu-ray if you're interested and uh, if you've not seen it i do recommend it it is a, a fantastic creepy strange film
just a little bit of feedback. Um, this is from Rob Wilson. Hi, Chris. Thought I had Cannibal Terror. I did not, sorry. I could not contribute. To be honest, I was a bit thankful. From my March 4th Facebook post. Rewatched 1981's Dead and Buried, directed by Gary Sherman, who also directed a really cool 1973 Raw Meat. That's definitely in the, from the UK. Um, which freaked me out as a youngster. There are murders in a small East Coast town. Sheriff Dan has to figure out what's going on. Oh, and the people who are killed are coming back to life. This is a good one. This is more Twilight Zone than Dawn of the Dead. More twists and turns than a M. Night film. Why are these people killing outsiders? No bad to report. Maybe a tad slow in the middle. It was actually okay with me. My DVD is from Blue Underground and it's a bit grainy. A couple of sources say it's the best version out. Why isn't Gary Sherman directing horror? It's a watch. Did some counting. I think you've got till September before you run out of video nasties. Maybe it's the extra bad winter, but it put me in a foul mood. I hope you continue casting in another horror topic. Would love to know your take on the current state of horror. Rob. Um, thanks for that, Rob. And uh, yeah, um, I think that yeah, I I mean I agree with you on on the points about uh, dead and buried. Um, you're not the only person that's what I'm doing next. Um, the plan is to do something next. Um, after this, it's going to be a while. I'm not. I know some people have been asking, will I just like continue doing like extreme horror films? Um. I know that Video Nasty's documentary is getting, from Jake West, is getting a sequel which kind of looks at what happened next. Um, for me, that's just one podcast episode like, to finish this one off um, rather than anything more than that. Um, yeah, yeah, no, there's, there's a plan, there are plans afoot, and um, when winter comes, I'll, I'll have something new for you. But, uh, Let's keep a powder dry on that just yet. There's a lot. There's still got a lot to do here. <clears throat> Something else as well. This is um, from Colin over in Belfast. Um, he uh, he. Well, I'll, I'll read it. See what he said. It's Colin over in Belfast again. I decided to poke the BBFC with a shit cover stick about a week ago, and said them nine questions, which I constructed intentionally to have a gap. I didn't really expect much of a reply, but they came back with some predictable answers, largely defending their glorious right to continue sticking their nose into our movies. Had to laugh at the last answer where they said their staff have access to counselling if the films get too much of them. Bless. Anyway, I've copied it below in case you, you'd like a look. There's way too much to read out on the show, but good to know where we stand in modern times. Uh, in truth, it probably is a bit too long, really. Um, it is. It, it did some great stuff in there, so I'll just give you the... Uh, the, the the biggie in terms of obviously you know the BBFC have uh, have have their remit given to my Parliament or whatever uh, in relation to the impact that the video nasties has had on uh, on people's lives uh, it says the BBFC has no control over lawmaking in the UK nor does it have any enforcement remit the BBFC is only involved in prosecutions as provided evidence specifically whether a work has been classified by the BBFC. So it's quite, you know, quite, quite tame. It says um, the BBFC, it basically, you know, when it comes to policy, the BBFC does what it always does, which is palm it off. So it says, you know, the BBFC is required by law to remove from work classified 18 any content that is unlawful or potentially harmful. While the situation is different to the system used in the USA, is a question for government. And um, also the concept of harm. When we mentioned the fact that there's counselling, I put a read the answer out. 
the BBFC accepts that its employees may be exposed to potentially harmful content. All BBFC employees with examining responsibilities are subject to extensive training and have unlimited access to confidential counselling services specifically for those dealing with extreme content. Uh, I'm going to assume that's more linked to pornography than, uh, than horror films. <laughs> but uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave that there. Thanks very much for that, Colin. It is an interesting read. and um, uh, Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I did try and read it out for the, for the podcast. It is too long. It, I was, it was about 10 minutes. <laughs> the answer's on dead long. Uh, but it is, a, it is a good read. And thank you very much for forwarding that to me. Uh, it's it's it, it's great stuff. Oh, incidentally, um, there is um, I'm assuming uh, the person who'd, who'd reply to it was a woman called Catherine Anderson, who's press and public relations. It's basically, it's a job to reply to these kind of emails. I'm sure she gets a few. Um, said that um, that the BBFC is uh, can uh, could could um, uh, classify video games, and um, that's not true anymore. Actually, uh, I'm assuming that was a bit of a cut and paste and answer that she's given you there. Um, that the uh, computer games are now all under a voluntary system, uh, the Peggy system, which are all, which you know, yeah, everyone has to be classified, but it's not done through through a body. It's done through uh, the, through the, uh, the the PEGI system. That's why you see uh, everyone's got big screaming Peggy seven, sixteen and Peggy eighteen on on the video adverts now, video game adverts now rather than um, you know eighteens or fifteens, and that came in last year. I don't know if that's a step in the right direction or not. Really, it's still, you know, still classifications are still illegal. It's, it's what it is. And um, okay, well, thanks very much for that, Colin, and uh, thanks, thanks, thanks for email. It's, it's, it's a, it is as I said, it's a great read. If you want to get in touch with me, uh, please do. My email address is podcast at gmail.com. My Twitter is at orange underscore monkey. Or you go to our website, videonastiespodcast.com, where it's all our articles and trailers and, and whatnot there as well. Next is um, next week is one of the films that uh, is currently still in a cut form. For your, for, your, for your benefit, obviously, keep you safe, like the BBFC say. It's the Toolbox Murders. Um, so we will cover that next week. Um, it's been a long time since I watched it. I think it's quite good. But uh, it's quite good. It's quite, uh, quite grim as well, and obviously spawned a remake. So until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. <laughs> Video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.
old hand. William G. Dobbs is now at your service. Let me get the word. Here. 